The first reading is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. And you can find it on page 1043 in the church Bible. Previously, Peter, having had a vision of a sheet full of unclean creatures, and having been told, do not call anything impure that God has made, has taken the plunge and responded to an invitation to go to Centurion Cornelius's Gentile house. So, page 1043, Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the ones who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one who God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Please, if you're able, stand for the gospel is taken from St. John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18, and it can be found on page 1028 of your Bible. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and the disciple Jesus loved, possibly John himself, visit the tomb. Page 1028, St. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. The empty tomb. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, 
But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who'd reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended. To, my, to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Easter, church. <laughs> if you had to paint the story of Holy Week, scene by scene, I wonder what colours you would use. Palm green and sandstone yellow, warm sunshine colours perhaps for the entry to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Maybe oranges and browns for the cosy oil lamp glow of the Last Supper. The bread, a gleam of red-brown for the wine. Neutrals for the towel, the water, the washing of dusty feet. Indigo for the night beyond the doorway that led to Gethsemane. And how about Good Friday? What colours would we paint that? 
brown for the rough wood of the cross, sharp, dark streaks of thorn, splinter, the mottled purple of bruises, scratches, gouges, splatters of deep red, and the sky, the darkest apocalyptic greys with turbulent cloud. Cold grey for the stone, for the faces of his friends. Black for the darkness of the tomb. How about Easter Day? How do you paint resurrection? Well, if you Google Easter Day, the colour palette is spring all over. Fresh green grass, daffodils, bright pastels, coloured eggs, bunnies and chicks in abundance, sunshine, lambs and blossom. But the picture of the resurrection in the Bible is painted somewhat differently. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, everything starts in the dark. The greatest mystery of all, the most powerful and pivotal moment in the entire history of the relationship between humankind and God begins unwitnessed, cloaked in darkness, in a sealed stone tomb. This miracle is not uncovered by beams of glorious light from above or with the sound of a heavenly choir or with an earth-splitting crack of thunder. It's met by the covert arrival and scurrying back and forth of emotionally wrung disciples in confusion, in fear, in anxiety and bewilderment. And even when Jesus appears, he's not instantly recognizable. It takes a few moments for that revelation to come to Mary. The scale of this triumph is beyond our understanding. Not just a miracle of a body broken beyond belief, deader than dead, three days cold in a tomb, restored to life and breath. Not just the return of Jesus to his beloved friends, but the actual defeat of death and evil in all the world for all time, the overthrowing of all that stands in opposition to good, the freedom and fullness of life for all of us who have gone before and for all who will come. And it happens entirely without fanfare and without human witness. We sing, there in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. The sentiment, the symbolism's really good, but the Gospels tell us it didn't happen quite like that. It began while it was still dark. There's something important here about how God seems to work. Christ who first came into the world, God made flesh, born right into the midst of a mess, questions of illegitimacy in a country ill at ease under Roman occupation, a king born in the most humble of circumstances, his family displaced, made a refugee in early childhood. Christ who lived among the day-to-day -day and the difficulty of people's lives, who touched the poor, the lame, the blind, the bereaved, the diseased, the tormented, the dead even touched mind, body, soul, and spirit, and set them free wherever he went. Worked wood with his hands, ate, slept, and drank with those he loved and those nobody loved. 
Christ who deliberately suffers and dies in the midst of the mess of politicking, hopes and dreams shattered, shouted down by religious outrage and power play, betrayed by those he held closest. The mess and the pain of the beatings and the cross. The brutality of humanity brought to bear on the Son of the living God. God on the cross between two men at the end of their own messy lives. Why would the resurrection be any different? That's how the incarnation is. God made flesh. There was no way it could happen without full immersion in all that it is to be human. And early in the morning, while it is still dark, there is more mess to unravel. Despairing disciples, wondering who's stolen the body of their dear friend and teacher. What now? What more evil could possibly happen? Tom, could I have that slide, please? Thank you, Marion. Can you just about see that? Do you recognize that picture? This is the interior of Notre Dame, and it was taken this week when a journalist crept in behind Macron's visiting group after the fire had finally been put out, but you can still see a little bit of smoldering from the burned interior. The cross is gold, so it did not burn. It gleams out brightly from the dark interior. It was an image that quickly went viral, because there's something really poignant about it, isn't there? It seems to mean something that in all that dark, after all the destruction, something good had remained, something that couldn't be burned up. Because when things get dark, when all things seem lost, we grope for hope. On Twitter, someone who is anti-church and religion had written, that's religion for you. The cathedral burns and you stand there singing hymns at it. Yes. Yes, we do, when things go wrong. We stand there singing hymns at it. We declare truth in the face of darkness. When that's all we've got, we have truth and we have faith and we declare it. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Maybe it feels easier to be a Christian when everything's going well, when we have the energy for prayer, when we can see good things happening around us when our relationships are thriving, when our minds and our bodies are well, when God is in his heaven and seems to be active, when we have enough to live well and life holds pleasure. And God loves us with an unending love in all these times. We are meant to thrive. But maybe, though, it helps to remind ourselves that God seems to especially like working in the dark. It shouldn't surprise us it's into the empty void and the darkness over the deep at the beginning of creation that we find the Spirit of God hovering before God calls in the light. We are called into being from universe dust, something from nothing. The whole business of God is to bring light, to redeem, to renew, to restore, but it always starts in the dirt, in the dust in the ordinary muck and mayhem, and in the incomplete. Dare we believe that for ourselves this Easter day, that resurrection glory can start in the places where we can't yet see the light. And how ridiculous it is that the most potent symbol of the Christian faith is the cross. How mixed up that an instrument of torture and execution is for millions the emblem of our faith. We wear it on necklaces, we send it on cards. 
We stand it in our churches and our cathedrals. We work it into our art. And if you were at the last hour of the cross on Good Friday up at the old church, then you probably held a small, rough wooden cross in your hands as we sat and prayed, remembering together Jesus' words on the cross. But it is what it is to us because of the resurrection, because of the empty tomb, because it was one for us in the midst of the worst of suffering, because it was on the cross that God called time on evil and sin and suffering and death and made a way through for all. It's because of the cross and the resurrection that we know there is no desperate or dark place that God will not go in order to find us and work his redemption and his rescue. Which has to be good news when life isn't all pastel eggs, meadows and butterflies. We need a more concrete hope than it's all going to be okay. The knowledge that whatever happens that when it isn't all okay, God, it will still come through for us, that we aren't alone in the dark, however much we might feel it. Maybe right now, you are in a Good Friday kind of a place, where you saw the bad stuff building, like a bank of cloud before a storm, and you were unable to do anything about it. Or when the worst happened, you were unable to stop it. Perhaps you feel like the disciples with the good shepherd struck down and the sheep scattered, afraid and alone. Perhaps you're in a holy Saturday place where you've stopped fighting it. You've even got beyond the dread and fear and it's all kind of numb. There's no apparent activity, even though you're at the end of your resources and you've been hoping for God to change things, but it's been so dark for so long. You've been holding your breath on life and you're beginning to wonder if God ever really will act. Or are you walking in the light of Easter day at the moment? You might have been in these other places, but by God's grace you've come through. Or maybe for you the storms in life have been few. Be joyful and grateful because this is exactly why we are in Christian community together. Those of us who are in a good place right now, who are finding it easy to see the light and the blessing, that's wonderful. Be blessed. Then our place is to encourage and to stand and to pray with and for and do all we can to keep the flame of hope burning for those who aren't in a place to do that for themselves at this time. Because no doubt, somewhere along the line in the future, we will need someone to do that for us. We might need to help each other to see Jesus and the resurrection truth at work in one another's lives. The women struggled to make sense of it, believing that the body was stolen. Mary couldn't see who Jesus was at first. There were doubts and anxieties and several appearances and encouragements from Jesus between then and Pentecost before the penny finally dropped and the Spirit came in power to birth the early church and equip it on its path of transformation in the world. And that same Holy Spirit lives in us. Whether our flame is burning bright or it's been diminished by circumstances and pain, the potential for change, for restoration, for life is right there. When it comes, it may not be when and how we expect it. It may not look as we imagined it would. 
But when it does, we are to be like those first apostles, to be found and named by Jesus and to be sent. Those women who left the tomb in the low light of early dawn and ran to tell the others the incredible news that hope was living and breathing once again. Jesus is alive and there's no place he won't go to bring each one of us out of the dark and into the light. If you don't yet know what it is to live in relationship with Jesus Christ, then come and talk to me or another Christian here that you know and trust. There's no catch to this. It's quite simply God's gift to you. If you're sitting in any kind of darkness at the moment and you long to know the hope and the light of Christ in your life, then please don't leave here without being prayed for today. There will be prayer ministry during Holy Communion. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Have a very happy Easter.